2: Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. Pastor, how you been? I'm doing great, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing really good. You're in rare form today, pal.
3: Hey, I'm just glad to be here <laughs> with you, Mike. And uh, another another program with Faith in the Zone. I love it.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, our special guest, and we got to thank Tom Roy. Last week's show uh, that we did... Recorded live at Brookside Baptist Church was a good one. And Tom Roy is as good a guest as, as we're going to find. And then he's willing to get up on the mountaintop with us on the air and then say, look, how about this guy? And what about this guy? And the following day, he had uh, he had breakfast with, uh, with Doug Henry, former pitcher for your Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he pitched in the major leagues with the Giants and the Kansas City Royals and Houston Astros and the Mets. And uh, lives in this area. Works with the Kansas City Royals organization as a pitching coach. And I said, "Love, I was a big Doug Henry fan, and I'd love to have him in." And and uh, Tom set this up, so thank you, Tom. Uh, Doug, it's nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you guys too.
2: Excellent. If you could come just a little closer, to Mike, that'd be great. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit about um, your upbringing. Uh, I did a little research. Uh, born and raised in in California. Um, can we talk a little bit about high school and then college you Ontario Arizona State? Talk about that decision process and, and, and just growing up where you did?
1: Yeah, I grew up in uh, the East Bay in California and it was a back in the shoot, this was back in the 70s, it was a pretty good hotbed for, the, for baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up um, Randy Johnson, Dale Swain, um, Mike McFarland. Guy named Chad Kruder, caught in the big leagues a little bit. I mean, we had a, a big core of guys that played in the in our high school area. Wow! And it was it was a lot of fun. And on the other side of the bay, we had Barry Bonds and a couple other guys that were over on that side of the bay. So we had pretty good competition back then. Oh, um, I bet. Uh, my going to Arizona State um, when I was 12 years old, I knew I wanted to play baseball. And buddy of mine and I, we sent a letter to the ncaa saying what's the best baseball college in the country and at the time arizona state had won the world series so all we got back was something from arizona state from that day on that's where i wanted to go to school and that's where i ended up going
2: yeah how old were you when you wrote the letter
1: um i was 11 my buddy was 12. <laughs> I, mean, I was in little league i was playing in a little league called trevy little league out in hayward california it was that's what i
2: wanted to do and so you were smart enough to write the NCAA. You know, nowadays, people, the kids just go on their phone oh, or yeah. they watch the World Series. Or they get and, on
1: Google and just kind of email something, and that's, you know, that's how they do it. And, but back then, we actually had to do something.
3: Well, the the baseball <laughs> in California, even in the Little League, I haven't, I thought I saw a team from Hayward that made the Little League World Series. You know, it seemed like to me that California's been pretty well represented, even in a little league world series.
1: It's possible. I that one I would have to check on. I'm not sure because uh, I think I would have heard about that. It's possible. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't been back there well, yet, I've been since known I was. to be
3: wrong on this show. <laughs> well, that would be a first. <laughs> that, would,
1: that, would,
2: that would be a first that Pastor Ken Keller. I don't know if he, because he admitted he was wrong, that, that might be the first. Our special guest, he is uh, Doug Henry, uh, again, former uh, closer, with the Milwaukee Brewers, 1991 through 1994, and uh, Blaine County Stadium, Um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later in the show compared to uh, Miller Park at this point, but you're a guy that um, stayed here in Wisconsin. And there's not a lot of you just, so you know, you know, it's, it's you Especially coming from California, AJ Ellis, yeah. AJ Ellis married a girl here. And he, he was in studio uh, when he was catching with the Dodgers and he came in to do faith in the zone. He said, look, I'm the only guy that goes North come winter time. And he said, cause I married a girl from here and she's, she's wonderful. Got a great family. And uh, thank goodness that I'm okay with the winter. So you, you, um, you stayed here. And did you marry a girl from this area?
1: No, uh, my wife. Actually, we've been together since I was 15 years old. Okay, Um, we were dating in high school. You didn't write her a letter, did you? No. no, Okay, I'm just making. I I, I joke (laughs) about. I joke about it. She's two years older than me. She's. I I call her a gold digger because she 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 jumped on the bandwagon. (laughs) I love her to death. That's no, but uh, she came. uh, She came to Arizona State with me. Um, She was going to Stanford at the time, and she transferred to Arizona State with me and ended up going back to Stanford to get her degree. So bless her heart. And she's been a part of baseball the whole time. She knows the life. Um, we came out here when I got to the big leagues in uh, 92, the family came out. 91, I came up. In 92, I brought the family out for the summer. And we rented a house on Lake Nagawica. And they loved it. And we had never spent any time. and come from California. Neither one of us had spent any time in the cold weather. So we said, let's let's check it out, see what it's like. Sure. And the kids loved it. Um, and it was a nice, mild winter, so we sold our house in California, and moved out here, and the next winter we had in '93, I'll never forget it. We had temperatures minus 50, um, <laughs> you know, wind chills. We had, we actually, we were renting a a, a a lake cottage. It was a summer cottage, so it wasn't insulated very well. Oh man! We had, you know, the wind coming through, so we had condensation ice on the walls on the inside of the house, oh, wow. sealing the seams of the 1970. Uh, plywood on the inside of the house it was but it, you know it's great experiences
2: man and you survived it right we, we, we lived through it and <laughs> then
1: we moved away in 96 because um, my arm I was still playing I was with the Mets and it's like wait a minute mom I'm getting older and my arm's not I'm not able to get ready for the season like I need to and Monique my wife said hey maybe we should move back to Arizona the warm weather so you can get a few more years in and so we did and then in 2000 my son was a sophomore in high school, and he goes, Dad, I want to go back to Wisconsin with my friends and, um, at Arrowhead. And he, we came back here, and he ended up graduating from Arrowhead, and we've been here ever since. How many kids do you have? We have four kids and five grandkids. Man, that's
2: oh,
3: awesome. Man. Yeah, that just makes me old.
2: Yeah, like, you know what? <laughs> hey, we, we had a guy in faith in the zone, and I agree, because I have four grandsons, and you have— I have
3: three and one on the way.
2: And one on the way. So that's awesome. So he—it uh, was Pastor um, uh, Chapman, I think, Pastor— from North Carolina. He he oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah said, uh, D- David Chadwick, he hey. said, look, had I known how cool it was to be a grandfather, I would skip the parenthood thing altogether. <laughs> no no I just said amen to that. Yeah. Amen to That's, that.
1: You know, on that note right there, if you don't mind, um, this morning is my granddaughter's birthday. My oldest granddaughter, she just turned 14. Oh. And last night, I picked her up from volleyball. She's going to Arrowhead. I picked her up from volleyball practice, and she goes, yeah, I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to make myself pancakes for breakfast. I went, oh, whoa, time out. I said, how, how about if I make you pancakes for breakfast?
2: Oh, that's. And they
1: live two doors down from us. I said, I got to do the radio show in the morning, so I'm going to be up early anyway. Why don't you come on over? I'll have pancakes ready for you. So uh-huh. she came over and, you know, a definite blessing. It's like, hey, privilege of mine to make breakfast for my granddaughter uh-huh. on, And on her birthday.
2: happy birthday to her. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my daughter and, and uh, son-in-law and three grandsons lived kitty-corner from us up until about four months ago. And they moved 10 minutes away. No big deal. But it, it is a big deal for me because I can sit on, in my chair, and I could watch them in front of the house, and I could turn, and we have a park right across the street, and I could watch them play in the park, and I miss it. Oh, oh I we miss went the, it. We
1: went the other way. They lived about seven or eight minutes from us, and then a house, um, sadly, guy passed away, and we ended up getting a house. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we moved them two doors down from us
3: oh and it's what what a blessing you you guys gotta feel sorry for me I mean my my grandkids are about 16 hours yeah I do
2: (laughs) I I do because you know what we get to see my wife picks Um, she she works out of her home and she'll be able to take uh, an hour to go pick them up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays so we get a chance to see them all the time and they stop over there 10 minutes but when you start with them being right across the street And you see them growing up and and you can step out and I can go on, you know, open the door and say, hey, uh, you know, Becca, get out of the street. And he kind of looks, they'll stand in the corner, they'd yell, Papa, I'd come home from work, Papa, can we come over? I'd go, no. They go okay. Here we come, and they, they, you what, can't stop what, that. No, no. They'd say, "Papa, is where are the snacks? You normally have them in this." And I put them up on the refrigerator because you can't get them. And they're like crawling up there. It just—it's unbelievable. I do miss that part for sure. Hey, when um when you guys came back um to the Wisconsin area, I know that Arrowhead uh, District is a good district, and mm-hmm. you guys have been part of that. Um, I, I tell you one quick story years ago. We had on the afternoon show, we, we, they put a poll out, your favorite college football team. And uh, Wisconsin was one, Michigan State was two, and the University of Arrowhead was three. So <laughs> Arrowhead <laughs> took third back in the Tom Taraska days. You know, he's got all the rings to show it, but they uh, in that poll, they took third. I think Nebraska took took fourth, which is, is awesome. awesome. Was
3: Oklahoma in there at all? Or?
2: Oklahoma, I think, You hold on, let me look on page three or four, <laughs> someplace. Boomer Sooner was there someplace, but only because you voted three times for him. Our special guest. Today on Faith in the Zone is Doug Henry again, former pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's now uh, with the Royals organization as a pitching coach. And uh, were you were you always a pitcher growing up? Were you um,
1: in- no, actually, I, I always pitched. Yes, but I also played positions and, and hit. I actually could hit way back in the day. Yeah. Um. I actually, when I was in college, I actually got to hit. I was a DH my freshman year at ASU. Really? Um. You know, I, I like to say I. My claim to fame is hitting between a guy named Oda B. McDowell. I don't know if you remember him. Played for Mm -hmm. Texas and Cleveland. Um, Pretty good player. But he was uh, Golden Spikes winner at ASU his junior year. Wow. And then he hit first, I hit second, and Barry Bonds hit third. So, (laughs) man, there's a claim to fame right there. You know what? We can stop the show right now
2: because I'm telling you, that's that's awesome. Now, Barry Bonds back then was – He was okay. yeah. boy he could play
1: huh yeah he he was uh, you know it everybody talks about who the greatest player in the game was is you know is willie mays was it barry or was it ken griffey jr right um playing against both barry and playing with barry and playing against ken griffey jr whenever barry showed up to play barry was the best player in the game he was the man yeah he he could play well it was impressive tell
2: you what he um it, it The sound, and, and I watched him play at County Stadium one time, and then I went to Miller Park and watched Bryce Harper play, and I was right down by the plate, uh, the third, fourth row, something like that. The sound that the, 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 of him hitting the ball is different. It was different. Same with Bryce Harper for me. It was even a foul ball sounded different. And
1: and the same thing with with Barry Bonds. There's, I thought. There's no doubt about that. Let me throw something at you right now. There's a kid from here, uh, Kelnick, um, Jared Kelnick. He was number one. Pick, yeah, yeah, from uh, Waukesha West. Yes. Yep. Um, with the Mets. Yeah, uh, he's with Seattle now. They traded the, the Mariners traded for him. Um, I was doing some lessons over in Waukesha two years ago, and I heard I was doing pitching lessons, and I heard this the sound you're talking about, and I'm friends with uh, Joe Randa, and Joe Randa sure. told me he goes. He's friends with Kelnick, and he goes. You need to go check out this kid if you're ever over there. And I heard the sound of the bat, and I went. And the kid was 16 years old. Right. And I, I when I was done with my lesson, I just walked over and, and watched and. There's another different one. Um, it's kind of like Harper. It's just a different sound. It's a
2: different sound. Hear nothing but really good things about that young man. In yes, I He's too. a really good kid. Yeah, and uh, just a big time player. We need to get to a break. Our special in studio guest again, Doug Henry, former pitcher from the Milwaukee Brewers. I want to thank Tom Roy uh, for the for the introduction. Uh, Doug has played. Doug played with uh, the, the Brewers and the Giants, the Mets. And the Kansas City Royals Houston Astros he's now a a pitching coach within the Royals organization we'll talk to him a little bit about that and we'll talk about his testimony on the other side of the break this is faith in the zone on Sports Radio 1057 FM the fan
0: more now of faith in the zone discovering people of sports and their walk in faith faith in the zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. You covered me.
2: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I am Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner, Brookside Baptist Church. Maybe the greatest hitter in all church softball league, Pastor Ken is. We are joined by Doug Henry, again former pitcher for your Milwaukee Brewers. Now a uh, he is the pitching coach with the Kansas City Royals.
3: Pastor, oh thank you for that introduction, Mike. You're, you're I, welcome. I, I, I cannot play church softball anymore. I'm. Uh, but I, that, back
2: in the day, you were the Daryl Strawberries uh, first hitting no, the ball. <laughs> no, I wasn't,
3: Mike. You 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 could turn two very well. Yeah, so I got a, quick feet yeah, for a boy do. my size. Hey, Doug, we we love having you in. And one thing with uh, Faith in the Zone that we love talking to uh, our guests about is when their journey of faith began um, with Jesus Christ. And so we would love for you to to share that story, how that all took place there in your life.
1: You know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, you hear stories of, you know, incredible stories. Yeah. And mine's not one of those. Yeah. Uh, my parents um, kind of pushed us off on the bus to, to church on Sundays, and mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. We had a really nice, bigger church in Castro Valley, California. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Neighborhood Church, but it was, uh, it was a nice, friendly place. The the, past, the youth pastor there was unbelievable. He's now the head pastor there. Um, it, it was just one of those places where I ended up going and okay. then got away from it, I don't know, for four or five years. and Then when I got back into high school, um, my wife now, um, she invited me to go with her, and there we are back at Neighborhood Church and we ended up into an incredible youth program um that while i was there it was just one of those things where the lord just said hey this is it's time for you to to step up and say hey uh, you know you're a believer and um that was it mm-hmm. that was and then the journey is the journey right um, yeah. you know you it's bet. it's got its ups and downs mm-hmm. um and through it all you know here i am this must be, let's see, I'm 55 now, so almost 40 years, let's see, I was 18 when I accepted Christ. Okay. And here we are, and I'm looking at it going, the times I stray, when I look up, you know, I know God's right there with me the whole yeah. time. Yeah. You know, any Amen time to I that. Ask, I say, hey, oh. I need some help, he's never left, he's there. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, we all have the journey, we all have the walk, and it, it goes up and down. And mm-hmm. Um, I'm, that's my, that's my testimony is like, yeah. every time I turn around and say, Lord help me, it's like he kind of laughs at me and says, why haven't you been talking to me in
3: the meantime? Yeah. Amen. You yeah. know, we, uh, Mike, we had a guy, uh, at Brookside who was at the, um, barbecue that we had last week when Tom Roy was there. And, and last night I went over to see him 82 years old and he told me, he goes, Ken, man, I that, that barbecue and everything I heard from Tom Roy. And then we had Tom Farrell, as an evangelist, shared about twenty minutes after the interview, and he said, "Man, I've just been I've just been fearful since that time." And he said, uh, "So we went through the gospel and how Christ can can set him free of that fear." And he said, "Man, I'm ready." I, I, he said, "I've been in church. I've known about God. I know about Jesus. I know what Jesus did for me, but it's never become personal with me." And he made that decision last night to trust the Lord. And one verse I was sharing with him as you were talking about that he never leaves us uh john six forty seven. jesus said truly truly or verily verily i say unto you he that believes in me has or hath everlasting life and i looked at a man who'd been battling fear and i said how long is everlasting life and he said it's forever man it's forever <laughs> and that decision you made at 18 is forever and you'll you'll live with the lord forever and uh But that journey can have its ups and downs. And uh, I know for myself, I fought the Lord like crazy going into the ministry. I didn't want to be a youth pastor. Ended up being a youth pastor for 20 years after I told the Lord "I'm, I'm not fighting anymore. But, you know, you have those ups and downs in the journey, and the Lord is at work in your life, and he does never leave us. He never forsakes us. That's the great blessing.
2: Our special guest, he is Doug Henry, uh, former pitcher with your Milwaukee Brewers. He pitched in the major leagues for quite a while, and he's now with the Kansas City Royals organization. Doug, I, for me, what jumped out your testimony is, is your girlfriend and now your wife um, because, uh, look, there's a lot of us, and we've had a number of guys on Faith in the Zone, um, and, and, and I'm included in this. Where I wasn't sure, you know, I, I was born and raised and went to Catholic schools, and we were, you know, they gave us a Bible and said, hey, carry it. You don't have to open it. We'll tell you what's in it. <laughs> now, I know things have changed in, in some of the churches, but that, that was mine. And and a guy in Faith and Zone once said, look, I knew Jesus Christ the way I knew Abraham Lincoln. I knew all the stories, but I had no relationship with him, and that was me. And when I ended up making that decision and I went to Eastside Baptist Church at that time and Pastor Dara, I walked in a Sunday night and said, hey, look, you know, I, there, I'm doing some stuff here. I need some help. I can't do this on my own. And he said, I knew you'd be here. I didn't know when you'd be here, but I knew. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, your wife's been praying for you for years. So I knew you'd come. I just didn't know when. Awesome. And it's interesting when we talk about girlfriends and wives you know, guys like Mark Jackson, we've had a number of guys on that said, look, it, it's my wife or my girlfriend. There, there was another former Major League Baseball player that Tom Roy had um, set us up with who said, look, we we're going on a, on a quick away trip. I was going to be gone for the weekend, and right before I left, I, my, my wife and I decided we're probably going to – this isn't working. And over that weekend, she, she – another pitcher – his wife went over and read the Bible with my wife and talked about that. And she got saved and I came home fully expecting her to have her stuff out of there. And she said, no, I got to tell you what happened. And he said that, that other pitcher's wife who went over there and said, we need to have this discussion. And then she talked to her husband and said, I don't want this to end. I want, I'm your wife. I want to be with you, but you, we have to figure this stuff out together and this is going to help us. And I just, you know, the, the, over and over again, we keep hearing, you know, strong women that have really helped us. And we're supposed to be, you know, the guys and we're sticking <laughs> our chest out, but it's it's smart women, good looking girls no that we about hang about out it. with, no man. No
1: doubt about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So that part of your your story, when when at, at 18 years old, and, and again, we we all, it's a, a roller coaster at times, I would assume being at Arizona State and then being in minor league baseball, um, a lot of temptation at that point especially for a guy who's playing professional baseball a guy who is you know a big time at Arizona State which is a great baseball program um hard to walk worthy during those times
1: at ASU no uh ASU was easy because she was there she came with me um and um for me I was probably more mature than most guy when I was in high school um <laughs> Monique got pregnant. Okay. And it's one of those things where I, okay, this is something to happen. We're going to, we're going to do what we need to do. And we did it. We got married. I was in high school. I was nine days after I turned 18. We got married during Christmas break, my senior year. Wow. And my daughter was born in the middle of baseball season, my high school year, um, my senior year in high school. And here I am one of the top pitchers in California and I'm, I've got nobody recruiting me. I've got professional teams telling me they're not going to touch me because I got a a wife and a kid already oh Um, man and I went okay well if that's the case I'm gonna go to Arizona State and work on a degree and if I don't make it in pro ball you know I'll have a family and I'll I'll be okay right Mm -hmm. um but I honestly believe that because of my faith it helped me mature a lot a lot sooner than I needed to and and I and I owned up to yeah you know oh you manned up we 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 owned up to what happened Mm -hmm. and um, I think we were rewarded for it. I, I honestly believe the Lord said, "Hey, you know what? We're, I'm with you. Yeah, you know it's not going to be easy, and it hasn't been easy. Oh, I um, bet not. You know, we spent six years um, in the minor leagues after college, um, and we had two kids, so it wasn't easy. She stayed home with the kids because my kids were in school. Most guys that have kids in the minor leagues, their kids are babies, babies. so right. you take yeah. them with them, but we made a decision not to take our kids out of school. So it was tough because Monique was back home with the kids and I was gone during the minor leagues. And that was the tougher part. But in all honesty, the Lord always gives you, he shows you the path you need to take mm-hmm. and it's up to you to choose which way you go. And I, I can honestly look at my life and look at myself in the mirror and just say, thank you, Lord. Amen yeah, to that.
2: Yeah. The, 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 uh, the movie, The Rookie, you've seen, you've seen it where he's, you know, it's a different story, but he's on the road, you know, and his wife is back on the farm and she's got these little kids. And, and at one point he says, look, I'm done. You know what this I, I I need to come home. And she said, no, no, don't do that for me. You, you take care of your business there. Take, you know what? Figure this out. I'm fine back here. But I that had to be really difficult knowing that she was basically, while you were playing ball, she was the mom and the dad at that point, And that had to be really hard for her. It's
1: it, it's incredible what baseball women do. I mean, it, it is truly incredible because they are. They're both mom and dad. And then we come home and, you know, it, it's tough to be the disciplinarian when you come home. right yeah. It really is. You do your best and you hope it works out. Right. Um, but it's incredible. It takes an strong woman to be in professional baseball and now I've been in professional baseball since 1985 so it's it's been a long time
3: well I'm, and I'm sure too when you come home and let's say you had a bad road trip or whatever I mean them picking you up on top of that well I, I
1: got a good story on that one when I my rookie year first full year 92 Jesse Orozco was one of our pitchers and I was having an up and down middle of the year and Jesse at one point, you know, I was complaining. We were on a bus plane on a bus ride somewhere or plane ride somewhere. And he just kind of goes, all right, that's enough. (laughs) He goes, I'm going to tell you something. My wife told me you got 20 minutes after the game's over. You got 20 minutes to complain after 20 minutes. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It's, that's the one thing is I I told Monique that and she goes, I'm going to remember that one. Yeah. (laughs) 20 (laughs) minutes. You know, I kind of took it the heart. It's like, you know, she doesn't want to hear me complain about my job. She's got enough stuff going on and with yeah, our kids you and, you know, their problems. So it, I come home, and we live on Lake Nagawicka, and I got a chance to sit there and look. I can just let, Lord, help me get rid of this off my mind right here, and there it is. Yeah, so. there's
2: something about that uh, that area. And anytime I'm up on Lake, my sister has a cabin in Wapaka, and I don't know what it is about it. But I become this, like, mushball. Like, I don't sleep <laughs> hardly at all. And then I go up there, and I sleep. I take three now. It's Just <laughs> It's ridiculous, and you get to do that every day. He is Doug Henry. He's our special guest for the entire show today. Former pitcher with the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Kansas City Royals, the Giants, the Mets, Astros. And uh, he's now a pitching coach with the Kansas City Royals. We'll get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan.
0: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time. you covered me.
2: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 1057 FM. The fan, Mike her alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. Our special in studio guest, he's a good one. He's Doug Henry, former pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, number of teams in Major League Baseball, and he is now a, a pitching coach with the Royals. We talk about that part. Um, you got done playing ball. Doug, did you know you wanted to, to continue in the game somehow?
1: <laughs> I did, but I didn't want to get into Pro Bowl. I, the whole time I was playing, I wanted no part of coaching in Pro Bowl. I really I wanted out of it. I don't like the politics. I, just, I wanted to go into high school and just enjoy being at home. Um, but it's funny when you get out of the game and the only thing you have is baseball, and that's how you supported your family when there's no money coming in, money goes out real fast. You bet. So <laughs> yeah. Monique said, hey, you need to go back to work. Um, I spent two years. Um, uh, I coached at Whitewater one year and helped out there for a little bit and then helped out at Arrowhead for a couple of years with uh, um, O'Driscoll. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's yeah, he's leg- legend, legendary. Legendary in Wisconsin. Yep. Um, helped out for two years when my son was going there. Um, and I, I would enjoy doing that but it just doesn't quite pay enough to, no. to make the bills pay. Cause I wasn't a, a superstar made millions and millions of dollars. Um, I did okay, but it's, you know, I, there's still D- bills to pay. Different nowadays, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I wish. I, you I, could get... I, I told my wife the other day, I was, <laughs> was just born in the wrong era. <laughs> you can. I tell
2: you what, you, you'd be a closer, a middle reliever, and make Can't some make, make some pretty make good some money. pretty good. Been thrown to Marcus Handle there oh. in the bullpen, oh. and, in Why, Milwaukee be, man, right there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. biggest hands I've ever seen it, in my he, life. That
1: is a large human being, and the hands are even bigger. You're yeah, he, right. he
2: yeah. is something else. He's been on the show because he's a Wisconsin guy, and. And uh, he's just a really good man. I'm, I'm sure he's down a little bit right now, but he understands the yeah. greatness of that year.
3: So, as a pitching coach, uh, Doug, would you say guys uh, that are that you're working with on, you know, in the pros and with the are they willing to listen to what you're having to say, or do you have to kind of?
1: You have to earn uh, their trust. Yeah. it's it's something. Kids today, they grow up um, doing camps and doing. Uh, it's it's a different world for the young kids today, mm-hmm. and the The kids think they know everything, but if you have credibility, which my years in the big leagues somehow give me credibility, um, it gives you a platform. It it gives me a platform, but then I have to prove to them I know what I'm talking about. And so, it's fun for me to earn their trust. And once I earn their trust, then it's it's fun because then they we banter back and forth, and it's not about. Me, my my careers, are, and that's the one thing I tell the kids: it's not about me anymore. I had my time. This is about how I can best help you mm-hmm. further your career. Hey, the the, the, the analytics of yeah. the game now, and and you <laughs> kind of rolled
2: your eyes there for a minute. Um, it it's changed so much of the game. Everything is. It it seems to me, and I'm not in in the game. I'm not in the dugout, but it seems to me that the analytics side of the game. Has changed a lot of, you know, managers that go with their gut or managers that say, "Look, you know what? I I know we can get a righty out because I've seen him. I know he can get a lefty out." Um, They go out and they make that change now because the numbers tell them to make the change.
1: That bothers me. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, but I also have to take a step back after I say that and say, if I want to stay in the game, I have to learn to make an adjustment. You bet. Because that's the way the game is going, and. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Um, the numbers don't lie. Correct. But at the same time, the numbers don't throw into consideration the human element of the game, which is so exciting about baseball. Right. Because you don't know how a guy feels that day. You don't know what it, what kind of fight he got in with his wife before he came to the field that day. There's so many different things that mm-hmm. go on inside a head, inside a body, that the numbers can't tell you. Right. And that's where, you know, coaches – I used to. We had a, a coach when I was with the Brewers in the minor leagues. Um, Mackamer was his last name. And he coached on hunches. And he, that's how he did it. He didn't go by the book. And what I saw was anytime a manager tried to do both, he got in trouble. You either go with your hunch or you go with the numbers and you stick with it. And mm-hmm. that's what's going on right now in the game. Yeah, the numbers are showing this, and people are just sticking to the numbers. I don't think I, I think you're going to have like we did when we won in 2015. Ned did not go by the numbers. We went. It was his hunches, and we had an incredible run. It she was. Sure did it was so fun, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. these kids came out and they just played. We didn't have to worry about. The, and this is when Analytics was starting to really be big, and. We didn't go by I mean, everybody else is shifting. We didn't shift, you and know, you we won, were, and won the whole thing, and we won yeah. the whole thing. Two years in a row, we go to the, you know, and yeah, we were one, we were one out away from being there the year before.
3: Yeah, I'm just curious, uh, maybe for folks that are listening, and they see, you know, you as a pitching coach go out to talk to the pitcher, and you know, all the gloves come up over the <laughs> the mouth and. Uh, is that what you're asking? How, how are you doing? Uh, you don't, you know, are you hurt? Uh, you, you know, what's funny about going
1: to the mound is, you know, very rarely is there actually something that you are, are going to make a difference when you say you need to do this, you need to do that. It's usually just to go out there and relax the kid. It, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It's, it's human. It's the human right. element of the game. You can go out there and unless you've been on the mound and that's where I have, a, it, it's funny because guy, there's, um, For guys like myself that are willing to learn the stuff that's Mm -hmm. being out there right now, I've got the experience of being on the mound where teams are hiring these kids that have never been on the mound in a big league game, pitching in front of 40,000 people. Yeah, they've got the numbers. They know what the numbers say, but they don't know how to relate. They don't know how a guy's feeling. I just feel that maybe it's it's past my time, Mm -hmm. but if it's not – I'm still here ready to learn, and I'm relating pretty well with the kids that are out there, and I have fun doing it, Mm -hmm. but the younger kids that have played in the game, as long as they learn the terminology, they're going to be the real valuable ones that are going to be able to communicate with the kids of today's game.
2: Hey, um, on the uh, the station today, their poll question um, was, (coughs) excuse me, if you could only bring one back, and it's the catcher with the Brewers, um, Grandal or Moose, who you've known since he was 19 – and, and, look, I love both these guys. My thought process was I, I would love to have Moose back, but I'm wondering if the pitchers had such good years down the stretch because of the pitching coach or because of Grandal. And I'm wondering how much a catcher can, can impact. They had asked him why the pitcher they got from Pittsburgh all of a sudden became a brewer he, and he lit it up. And he said, look, he's throwing the same stuff, but the sequence. We're, we're changing that up a little bit,
1: which made me wonder how valuable a good catcher like that is. Well, good question. I mean, we, in today's game, what you're talking about is the analytics, the, the sequencing. Okay? A good catcher learns that and puts it to use. Today's game, college, high school, um, they're telling these kids what to do. So they're, in my opinion, they're not really learning how to do it. They're just looking at their wrist. Yeah. They're, they're doing that, and they're not really learning how to do it. A good catcher, now if Grandall's doing it, hats off to him because right. good catchers like that are hard to find. Um, teaching them how to do it, and that's part of what I have to do in the minor leagues sure. right now. I'm the double-A coach for, for us in Kansas City, and not only do I work with the pitchers, but i got to try to help the catchers yeah. learn how to do this too. And it's fun. For me, it's fun. Now, if you just take the numbers and say this is the sequencing you have to do in this situation, to me, you're just taking the, the whole human element right. out of the game. Yeah, the I'm game. hoping that it's his feel as a catcher. But again, I don't know that. Well, and that's that's the thing. Is Now, is is the pitching coach and the analytics team, because it's not just the pitching coach, no. it's the analytics guy. There's a whole team of guys in the front office now that do all this analyzing. Right. And, send paper i mean the stacks of papers every day that they send down um you know the the Ecology people, sure. They, they might get mad at all the paper that's spent. In the <laughs> yes, they, yes, they would. Hey, but c- climate change, yes, boys. <laughs> it, it. So, but um you know, you got to give credit to to Grandol. I mean, because the pitching staff did a great job this year. But and, and
2: you've known Moose since he was 19 years yes, old. So uh, what a great guy. Huh? Yeah, you
1: know, I love Moose to death. I I, I was with him when he first uh, when he first signed with the Brewers. His first full year, I was a pitching coach in Burlington, Iowa, in abel It's my first year with the Royals, and. He came on, and I, I joke with him all the time. Tell him, um, you know, he, he he jokes with me saying I was the best hitting coach he ever had, <laughs> because he didn't have an extra base hit, not a, not an extra base hit, until the middle of May. We start the season in April, and in the middle of May he just comes up. He goes, I stink. Well, he's better words than that, sure. or worse words, whichever way you want to look at it. But he, he and I just looked at him. I said, Moose, you're making this way too hard. You're hitting the ball hard. Just hit it where they ain't. And that's all I said. Bang. Just hit it where they ain't, and he and he just kind of looked at me like, "What do you?" I said, "They're not on the other side of the fence." From the end of eight, end of May to the uh, end of the minor league season, he ended up hitting twenty home runs. Yeah, you were the best hitting
2: coach uh, yeah, I'm ever. The best hit. just, yeah. just ask me; I'll you, tell you. Yeah. He might be able to help Mike
3: too in church softball. With you know, you, you think he can help me? Yeah, and, I think he could help you. Man,
2: I'm just trying to hit the right field line and trying to. <laughs> Just hit it far enough so I can try to get into second base. That's Now, the, yeah. do you
1: swing left-handed yeah. or right-handed? Right-handed. Saying, yeah, that's right-handed. A... I so, switch you, so my feet. So you're like a pitcher. You, you, swing <laughs> the, right. s- you step to left, swing to center, and hit it to right. That's exactly. <laughs> and I try to
2: loop it around and hit chalk. That's what I try to do. He is Doug Henry, our special guest. Again, he pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers 91 through 94. Before we go to a break, um, not, not I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but we only have a short amount of time, so that's why I'm doing it here. Um, with with not, not a big fan of being traded from the Brewers. You were you were happy here in Milwaukee, correct?
1: I was happy, um, but at the time, I think it was the right move. Um, I, I was struggling, um, you know. Rather than because I looked at what happened to Pleaseak at the end of his career you bet. here, yeah. And I think they did both of us a favor. Um, you know, let me go somewhere and, and reinvent myself, um, and then the fans don't sour on me too much. Sure. Well, because they really soured on Zack at the end of his career here. I was—that's when I came up. Was when every time he stepped on the mound, yeah, you know, the fan boo birds oh, came out. I remember it was, that. It's, it was it's tough to pitch. It's tough to pitch when you know at your home. home team is booing you.
2: Yeah. Hey guys, we're gonna get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll wrap this up. Again, he is Doug Henry, uh, former pitcher with your Milwaukee Brewers, and and living here in this area, and and. Uh, He's a good ambassador for the state of Wisconsin, I'll tell you that. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan.
0: Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time heard
2: me Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Mike McGivern, alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church, our special guest. He is Doug Henry, former pitcher and closer for your Milwaukee Brewers, the Mets, uh, the Giants, Astros, Kansas City Royals. A couple of questions. Um, Josh Hader right now. With what happened here recently, um, where's his mindset? And and you've been maybe not at at you know in a game like that and and but certainly, where do you think his mindset is right now? Does he just want to get back at it?
1: He would love to get right back at it right yeah. now. Um, You know, and that's the one bad thing about the game it, that happened. Um, the season's over, so he's gonna dwell on it for, you know, twenty minutes. That's right. That's (laughs) That's it, y'all. That's all 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 you get. Monique's calling (laughs) him right now. (laughs) That's all you get, Hater. That's it. No, um, the good ones, he'll get over it. Um, You know, I mean, the kid's got an incredible arm. Oh man, it's you know, uh, as an outsider, I I watch very little of it. But what I have watched, you know, the one thing, you know, that today's pitchers that throw ninety-five to one hundred miles an hour, they don't worry about location. They just sit back and throw the ball as hard as they can right. and elevate because that's the hitters are all swinging up now, so elevate and let them either swing through it or hit a high fly ball. Right. Um, do, you, do you not watch
2: much? Um, um, leading
1: up to it, no, but I was prepared to watch everything because last year I, I got into it about when my minor league season ended last year and I came home and I realized how many Royal guys were on the Brewers oh, last yeah. year and I'd had all of them. It was exciting for me to watch. And then this year with Moose and Kane and Pena, um, you know, it, it's fun for me to watch these guys. Yeah. It really is. So um, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, back to Hater, I, I think he'll be all right. I mean, I, I have no doubt he'll be all right. The kid's got an incredible arm. I mean, he's just going to get better and better. He kind of reminds me of uh, Billy Wagner when I was with the Astros. Oh, yeah. Billy just threw the ball as hard as he could, didn't worry about it, and then he developed a slider, which I hear that's what Hater's doing right now. Correct um and if he can find a third pitch like a changeup or something to it, it would be devastating to a hitter to watch that well, I really would
2: we would we would I as a brewer fan I love it but last two years I've worn out the edge of my my seat because <laughs> you know what it's pitch to pitch and and uh we we, we my wife and I uh watch a lot of the games my son you know, would be texting me during games and stuff like that, and it. Uh, th- this is a good baseball community. It's a football state, I believe that, but it's a really good baseball community. It's
1: it's fun. It, it, it really is fun. When when I was here in '92, when we actually made a run for it, um, the fans come out. They, yeah, they want to see. I mean, and it, the great thing about the Brewers is it's a whole state team. It's not yeah. just Milwaukee. It's people coming from up north. Yeah. Um, all over the state to watch the team?
2: Um, County Stadium is where I grew up on <laughs> and uh, never knew how bad County Stadium was until <laughs> Miller Park came. And I was like, what do you mean you need a new stadium? This is perfect. And back then I could, you know, pay four bucks and go down in the second row. And if they had a uniform, I might get a chance to pitch because, you know, there were not many people in the stands. And then Miller Park came, and then you realized that they obviously needed... Uh, needed that, and having that 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 um, the the roof on it, it, it makes it such a, that it is a state team because if you if you have a tailgate party from Appleton and there's rain in the forecast, you're still coming. You know you're going to see baseball. And it makes a big difference.
1: So. It's huge. It really is. I, I was I was shocked that they didn't do that in uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, me too. Oh, I, was I, too I really there. was. It's a beautiful stadium over yeah, there, and, and Miller Park's beautiful. The, it, it's funny because what you talk about the nostalgia of old miller park and then you know the new stadiums yeah you realize the amenities and everything it's a lot more enjoyable to come to the games now oh with it all is the amenities that are in the new uh, stadiums 100
2: percent. but again growing up when i grew up my grandfather was a um uh an usher in the mezzanines of old county stadium and i remember being a little kid when the braves were here and he, you'd get uh, you, me and my brothers would get in with a dollar ticket or whatever, and then third inning we could go up the mezzanines because if people didn't come to the game, he would seat us, and he would get you a little cotton candy and say not a word. You want to <laughs> cheer for the Braves? Great, not a word. And he was about six four, and I remember looking up at him, but I would just sit in the mezzanines and watch baseball. And so County Stadium for me was you know where I grew up, and and I kept thinking. Well, You sure we need a new park? And once you get one and you walk in, it's a big difference.
3: Hey, Doug, one thing we love to talk about is uh, your favorite memory of baseball. And uh, so that being in the major leagues, what was your favorite memory? It's without a doubt.
1: um, My son was a catcher. And he was 14 or 15 at the time. And I was with the Giants in 97. And we were in the playoffs against the Mets. And Dusty Baker went. I started the year out. Um, I guess it was 2000. It was 2000. Um, the years just run together. That's yeah, okay. they yeah. We get. I, I, that's right. Really I got traded from the Astros back to the Giants because I was with the Giants in 97. Then I got traded and I played for the Astros in 98, 99, and then in 2000, I signed with the Astros. Went back, got traded mid-season, and Dusty had seen my son catching for us in Houston. He was catching all the bullpens. He caught everybody. He caught Wagner throwing 100 miles an hour. He's a 14-year-old kid catching Billy Wagner. And Dusty goes, can your son catch bullpens? And I'm, yeah, no problem. And he goes, okay, when he's in town, because I was in San Francisco and they were out here um, in, in Wisconsin, and he goes, well, when he's in town, I want him to catch the bullpens. That way I can have the backup catcher stay in the dugout. And I'm like, yeah, if it's legal, yeah, no problem. Well, He started catching, and Dusty goes, okay, boom, we make the playoffs. And Dusty goes, is Jason coming on the trip? And I went, well, yeah, if you want him to, I can have him there. He goes, good, because I I want Doug Marabilly to be in the bullpen. I mean, in the dugout instead of out in the bullpen. Sure enough, the game situation came up. There's 52,000 people in Shea Stadium, and we went double barrel, me and um, left-hander. And I was going to go in first. And the bullpen catcher started to catch me, and I looked at him, and I went, "No, let me let me throw to my son." Yeah, and That's I, awesome. I threw to my son going into a playoff game, and I just remember walking through the gates at Shea Stadium and stopping and looking at the crowd, and then I looked back and saw here is my skinny kid. He probably weighed about 110 pounds, um, but he warmed me up to go into. Uh, Nationally playoff
3: game. Oh. And so the question is, when you got to the mound, how did you do? You know game? what?
1: I don't even remember to tell you the
3: <laughs> truth. You know that. what? Just remember that. Three straight
2: fastballs for strikes.
1: <laughs> don't care. I know it's faith in the zone. Don't care. Three
2: straight right down the pipe. Bing, bing, bing. T- tipped his hat to his son of the bullpen and off he went. That's what I'm going with. That's awesome. He is Doug Henry. This has been an awesome show. I really appreciate uh, Tom Roy setting this up. What really Quick question We got about two minutes left. That I asked guys easier for you when you were in minor league and baseball to walk worthy in the locker room or outside the locker room. And, and there are some guys that say, Look, we had fellow believers inside most of the locker rooms I was in, and they we hold each other accountable. Or it was, you know, what it was kind of me in there. So when I got out of the locker room, my family and everybody else that I surround myself with um are believers. So it was easier outside of the locker room. So I'm wondering. For you, was it easier to walk worthy inside the locker room or outside?
1: You know what? I was blessed that every, pretty much every team I was on, we had a pretty good core of believers on the team. So I, I would say inside. inside.
2: Boy, that's great. Yeah, baseball players, it's, it's hard because you guys get moved. Well, as you, 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 you know, know.
1: And, and an awesome thing about it too, talking about Tom Roy, um, his group, um, UPI, Unlimited Potential Incorporated, they were blessed to be able to get into locker rooms everywhere. And they would come around, and that's how I met Tom was through there. And it was incredible, the, the leadership they had and the guidance they had for us.
2: Boy, he is a good man. He uh, he has helped this show a lot. Uh, we're celebrating, now we're in October, six years doing Faith in the Zone. Him and I are still hanging out, which is just an amazing part of this whole thing. It, a beautiful thing. Yeah, one of great, I figured buddy. one of us would strangle each other by now, but <laughs> neither one of us wants to go to jail. So we're just hanging out. You know, Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and willingness to get up on the mountaintop with us for a little bit. Um, I, I Again, coming in and, and doing this with us is, has been great, Pastor. It's good to see you again. Yeah, thanks, uh, thank Mike. You bet. Thanks for thanks. listening. This is uh, Faith in the Zone
0: Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain. Lord, it was you that rescued me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.